I want to just welcome you this morning as we are having some fun technical stuff. You'll get to see me in a second. But I am so glad that you are joining us today from your home. Wherever you're joining us from today, we are so glad to be with you. And my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at New Heart, and it's my great privilege to share the word with you today. And today, we're going to dive right in. If you have your Bibles at home with you, you can pull it out and turn to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to get there. And today, I want to talk about the most powerful organism that ever existed. Uh, an organism that if it were a germ, we might call it a superbug. If it were a plant, we would call it a very resilient plant. And if it were a person, we might call it a superhero. Uh, and today we're going to talk about an organism called the Church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about the capital C Church uh, of God. And today is the day we get to talk about that. I think our tech team is working things out, and uh, we'll get to you shortly and get on your screens. But uh, you can hear me. We're going to play a game. Pretend like you can see me on your screens right now. And we are so glad that you're here. But, but today we're going to talk about that thing. Last week um, and Easter Sunday, I felt very strongly that we were, to, uh, we were to speak about the topic called Unstoppable God. And uh, this morning, we're going uh, to go back a few verses in the book of Acts to the place where we need to be uh, at Acts chapter 4. And we're going to get there in just a second. In fact, I'm going to pause for just one second. Hang tight for just a second. The beauty of live streaming service. Ta-da! You can see me now. Well, I'm so glad that, to be with you again. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we're going to jump right in. And again, we're going to go back a few verses in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 4 as we talk about uh, the, a, a section that we just, quite frankly, skipped. So we're going to go back there. And the big idea this morning, if you're taking notes, and by the way, though we're doing church at home and you are not sitting in the house of the Lord today, I want to encourage you to pull out your Bible, pull out your, your, your pens, write in your Bibles, write, take notes. But the, the main idea today is this, that there is nothing that God's people can't do if we work together and put him first. There is absolutely nothing that as God's people we can't do if we will put him first and work together. So this morning, uh, we're going to talk about what it takes to do just that, having a kingdom mindset um, and what, what that means. Because here's the deal. When we see the church of God in the book of Acts, we see a church and a group of people that were not afraid uh, to put God first, to have a kingdom perspective. And it's a different perspective than having a worldly perspective. See, we are living in a world that has literally been deconstructed. Uh, if you go, you just have to go to the grocery stores to see what I'm talking about. But as our nation and as our world begins to pull itself up from the wreckage and starts to, to peek our way out of our homes and get back to normal, we're in a rebuilding stage. And so this message today is important because I believe that you as the people of God are called to be part of this rebuilding process. 
And it's an amazing thing that can happen when we have a kingdom mindset. And what I mean by that is this, that when I put God's kingdom above my kingdom, and I say, God, I want what you want, not just what's important for me. I don't want to just look to my own interests, but God, I want to do what's, what's good for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And it's an amazing thing that can happen when God's people, um, we don't care who gets the credit, when we can serve God and bless others with the way we live our lives and not care who gets the credit. So with that idea, uh, that's what I want to talk about today, because when we put God first, Every time we put Jesus first in our lives, he calls us to deeper things of faith. He calls us to step outside of our comfort zones. And there's moments like, a, like ascending a set of stairs. There's moments where Jesus calls us to step up. And there's moments where Jesus calls us to step out. And these are important parts of that process. And so this morning, we're going to talk about those two things, about stepping up and stepping out. And if you'll turn to Acts chapter 4, uh, just to give you some background of what's taken place, God's people had been uh, persecuted. Uh, they, had, they had been preaching about Jesus. They had healed a man, and there was, there was resistance to the way. There's resistance to these people talking about Jesus. And so these religious leaders, this is for the first time, they come together and they tell them, hey, stop talking about Jesus. And what do the disciples do? They go and they pray, God, make us bold. God, make us bold for the kingdom. Make us bold to, to stand and speak about uh, what you've done and what you're doing. So we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 32. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And it says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We're gonna stop there this morning and dive in and talk more about that. But here's the big idea today that, that world-changing kingdom impact always begins with devotion to God and a unity of purpose. That if we wanna change the world and have world-changing kingdom impact, in this world. It's always going to begin with a devotion to God and unity of purpose. As we, as we declare, God, I want to be devoted to you. I want to do what you're calling me to do with my life. And more than just that, I want to lock arms with my brothers and sisters in Christ and, and carry out the mission of God in my city, in my region, in my world. This is the place where all those impacts begin. And here's why. That the, the closer we draw to God, the greater our love for people and our love for God, it just grows. And the reason is because we don't serve a God that, that is simply a loving God. He is a loving God. We don't serve a God that simply does loving things. He does loving things. But we serve a God that's more than just loving or does loving things. We serve a God that is the embodiment that is love. 
But don't take my word for it. 1 John 4, 7 says this. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. I'm gonna read it to you. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God isn't just a, a being that has love. God isn't just another, uh, another being like we are that loves other creatures, but God is love. Verse 9 continues, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, this is a scripture that, that reminds us of this reality that the closer we are to God, the closer we are to the physical embodiment, to the God who is love, the God who manifested love, that showed us what love is really like, the closer we walk with him, the more we grow in love for him and the more we grow in love for his creation. See, as I walk with God and I spend time with Jesus drawing near to him, it is in that place that my love grows. And so there's something important about this being devoted to God. It's not just simply an empty place, but it is something of, uh, of being changed and impact by being with him. In fact, to encounter Jesus is to encounter the very essence of love. You know, in this whole season of COVID-19, I think many of us are becoming more germ aware than we ever have been. Uh, I think many of us are gonna be washing our hands maybe a little bit more than we did before. And uh, we, we've got hand sanitizer in our cars and in the places where we go. Uh, but in this season, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, I'm gonna say it again. This season, we're being asked to socially distance ourselves. And I don't like that term. I think we need to physically distance ourselves in this season, but we should never socially distance ourselves. We can stay connected in relationship and connected with people, but, but we do need to physically distance ourselves in this season. But I just wanna say to somebody today that in this season where we're physically distancing ourselves from other human beings, that we make sure that we don't physically distance ourselves or socially distance ourselves from Jesus Christ. Because it is when we are physically distanced from Jesus that our love grows cold. I think of Jesus as a roaring fire, and as I draw closer to him, he warms up my soul. He, in, he awakens my heart to love at a deeper level. And so as we draw near to him, as the scripture said in 1 John, it causes us to love one another in a deeper way. See, I believe that as we talk about being, we don't wanna walk next to people in these days, why? Because we're afraid we'll get infected. But I just wanna encourage you today that in this season that we would walk close with Jesus and be infected by his love. Because I believe God wants to infect us with his love and uh, he wants us to catch what he's got uh, because what he has is love for the world. God so loved the world. And as we walk with Jesus closely with him, what he has gets caught by us and we get infected by that love. 
See, we must not become physically or socially distanced from Jesus or our love will grow cold. But what it says in verse 32, it says, the full number of those who believed were of what? Were of one heart and one soul. They were of one heart and one soul. And I think this is an important description as God reminds us that there's something important about having a unity of heart and a unity of soul. That they had one heart focused on loving God and loving others. And you can see it. They didn't have to talk about how they were radically generous. They just were. That was just a fruit of them receiving generosity from God himself that they lived generously. But they had a radical focus on loving God and loving people. And in fact, when Jesus was walking during his earthly ministry, he's talking to some religious leaders and this religious leader comes to him and he says, hey, Jesus, this book is pretty big. There's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament and the law and the prophets. What's it all about? Give me the Reader's Digest, right? Give me the Cliff's Notes. Give me the summary. I don't want the full version. Just tell me what it's all about in a nutshell. And Jesus says this in Matthew 22, 37. And Jesus says to him, here's the deal. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Put God first. Put him first above everything else. He says, this is the great and first commandment that we love the Lord your God. So number one, love God. And then Jesus throws in a little bonus. He asks, what's the main thing? And he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what Jesus is saying in essence is all the laws that God had given to his people Israel, all those things, if you want to boil them all down, they're going to fit into these two categories. Love God and love people. Love God, love people. Love him, put God first above everything else. Because if I put God first above, above my job, above my, even my family, even good things in my life that are blessings from God, if I put him first, then I'm not gonna make any of those things that are good things into God things and make them into idols. And he said, the second is like it, that, that I need to love my neighbor as myself. And this is the rub. This is where many of us get caught up because I have no problem giving devotion to God. But loving my neighbor as myself, that's where it gets a little more tricky. That's where it gets more difficult. But Jesus says, these are the two things that are the most important. And I'll share with you a true confession. Uh, I know this isn't a place of confession, but hey, you're not here, so you can see me and you, you can hear me. I've shared this a couple times before, but my wife and I, the day we moved into our new home, we we're blessed with an amazing home. The day we looked at the home, you know how it works. You go look at the home, you decide to buy the home, and you sign for the home. It was amazing, it was immaculate. The day we moved in, the weeds were like knee high. Uh, in the front and backyard. In fact, my dog went in the backyard the first day and we lost him for a while. He finally came out. Uh, after a while, we discovered where he'd been. First time I mowed the lawn was a great challenge. It was like, I was going over all kinds of stuff that had been there for a long time. But, but all that to say, about one year ago last fall, not this fall, but the one before, we decided it was time for our front lawn to die and to, to be born again. We, it was time for it to have an Easter moment. And so our front lawn, we, we, we nuked it, man. We went scorched earth on it. We burned it to the ground and, and then we tilled the soil and we put down new seeds. And I grew this grass. And I, during that season, I started watching all these lawn care experts on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen these guys on YouTube, but there's a bunch of them. And one of them in particular, he used to say this thing. He used to say, uh, you know, your neighbors might have a nice lawn, but it's your job to dominate your neighbor, right? To dominate the neighborhood. And I thought... 
I thought it was super silly, but over the course of time, as I'm mowing my lawn and starting to get, you know, this sense of accomplishment for my lawn, I, 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 I mowed my lawn, and then one day I looked at my neighbor's lawn, and I looked at my lawn, and I looked at my neighbor's lawn, and I said, dominated. <laughs> and I said it to myself, and it was under my heart, and it was in that moment the Lord's like, is that loving your neighbor as yourself? Because it was in that moment, it was right after I'd fertilized, and I'd been real careful, right? No fertilizer shall go across this line, because that's their lawn. This is my lawn. My lawn's special. And the Lord began to work on my heart, and it wasn't that I need to become a gardener, but it was, it was this, this attitude that said, this is my lawn, and that's theirs. That's my neighbor's lawn. And the Lord began to speak to my heart and said, what would happen if you loved your neighbor as yourself? And so the next time I fertilized my front lawn, I I went a little over further and I gave her a little green lawn and her grass is a little greener now. In fact, a few months later, she had a gopher problem and uh, my son and I had just dealt with uh, moving gophers to a new location uh, in our lawn. And so when she had a gopher problem in her front yard with her permission, I said, hey, can we help you take care of your gophers? And we helped her. But it was one of those things where the Lord was reminding me that there's something important about loving our neighbor as ourselves, that it's not just an intellectual decision, but it has to work its way out. That I love other people and I care for people and I live with generosity towards other people. It says they were of one heart, but they were also of one soul. And I I looked up those two words. I've I've been a big student of studying the word soul and spirit in the scripture. And the word soul that's listed in this particular scripture is this Greek word psyche. It's where we get our word psychology. And it has to do with our emotional well-being, our emotional health. And what I believe is being spoken here is that they, they, they were in tune with each other. They had a connection. They weren't socially distanced from one another. They were relationally close to one another. That they carried one another's burdens. And they cared deeply for those people around them. And I believe there's an imperative on the people of God to be the sort of people that care deeply about one another and their emotional and physical that, that we're, we're concerned with the whole package. And wherever you are this morning, uh, I want you to know that we're praying for you. We're praying that God would meet you spirit, soul, and body, that, that he would meet you spiritually, that he would redeem you and save you and sanctify you and, and, and draw you close to himself, that physically that your needs would be met uh, and that, that God would help you in areas. And if there's help that's needed, we've got a food pantry and other ways to assist you. But also that's, that soul care, That's why we do life in community. That's why we believe we're better together. And that's one of the reasons we do that because we're not meant to do this thing alone. And so it's an important imperative that as God's people, we care about each other in all of those categories. Because it always begins, world-changing impact always begins with devotion to God and unity to one another. Secondly, the supernatural power of God goes with the people of God when they'll walk closely with him. And there's something powerful to understand about that. Verse 33 tells us this. It says, and with great power, say those words, great power, right where you're at in your house. My tech team is saying it awesome. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. See, there's something powerful that takes place Sometimes we think of the manifest presence of Almighty God. We think of the miracle working power of God and we think that's something for out there. That's something for back then. That's something for somebody else. But as these early followers of the way discovered, the power of God's accessible to each one of us because God is omnipresent. 
He's with you right in your living room right now or, or wherever you're watching from. Uh, our live studio audience, he's here with us now. And this morning is our reminder that when we'll walk close to God, that power of God is available to us wherever we are. See, there was a power that accompanied them, but it wasn't just like, hey, look at this cool show. The power accompanied their testimony as they shared their story with others. And I'll just tell you, there's something powerful that takes place when we will share our story of what God has done in our lives and we will open our mouths and begin to testify of what he's done and what we've seen him do. Uh, and, you know, there's things that happen. There's power that's unleashed when, when I'll share not just my story of what he did many years ago when I gave my life to the Lord, but when I will tell of what God's doing in my life here and now. And I'll just tell you, I have been blown away talking with many of you over the last couple of weeks as we have been physically distanced from one another and we've not been able to join together in the church building. And many of us are, we're struggling with that. We like the idea of being together and hugging each other. We're a hugging church. So I wanna just give you a virtual hug right now. But, but as we go about, I've heard story after story of God opportunities. I call them divine appointments of the Holy Spirit where God is opening doors for you to have conversations. I heard from somebody this week that, that man, God has opened an opportunity for him to start having God conversations with his neighbor, that he had never had those kind of conversations before. Uh, I've had neighbors walk by and see, see us sitting in our front yard making all the noise in the world, and, and there's conversations that are percolating. I've heard of conversations in families that have started as a result of this season. And I just want to say there's something powerful that takes place when God's people, we don't have to have all the answers, but when we'll share the story of what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in our lives today. There's something powerful that takes place. And as we share our stories collectively with the world, I believe God's light can shine and his power is unleashed in ways that we may not ever even know this side of eternity. But thirdly, as we read in the scripture today, God's people are meant to be a resource and a refuge to those who are in need. We're meant to be a resource and a refuge to those who are in need. I want to read these verses again, verse 34 and 35. It says, there was not a needy person among them. There was not a needy person among them. There's something powerful, and I just want to say this. God's church is not meant to be a uh, just a place where we hand out resources and food, although we do have those things that are there. But I just want to say on the other side of that, I talk with people all the time. At, sometimes it's at a memorial service. People will come to church that haven't been to church in a long time. Sometimes it's out in the, in the community. People say, I can't go into church. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough to go to church. By the way, church came to you this morning, wherever you are. And so you're in church. Uh, so welcome. There's no lightning bolts. See, it's safe. But, but sometimes I think people say this, they say, church is like a trophy case for the found. And I'll just tell you, church is not a trophy case for the found. It's a rescue mission for the lost. It's a rescue mission for those that are in need of rescuing. It's not a museum for perfect people, but it's a refuge for those who are in need. Some of y'all are in need this morning. Some of y'all have been in need in your past. And, and it's our job of those of us who have been rescued and found to welcome in others that come into a place of refuge called the church. 
Here's, here's what 1 John 4.19 tells us. It tells us the reason we love people, we love because he first loved us. It's pretty simple. We love people. We love our neighborhood. We love our neighbors. We love our city. We love our state and our nation. We pray for our neighbors and we pray for our governor and we pray for all of the leaders across our land, even our president. We pray for these leaders and these governors and all of these people because God has given us a spirit of love. He's called us to love the way he loved us. See, I love the scripture says there was not a needy person among them. I can't imagine quite what that would have looked like as God's people lived just like that. But I'll just say this. As I read about these people and their radical generosity, and I hear how they, they cared for one another's needs, and they were of one soul and one, one heart, they, they, they cared for each other's emotional needs. I'll just have to say, I'm so thankful to be part of this New Heart family because this is what I see our New Heart people do. See, there's some scriptures in the Bible that as we read them, and we really have to remind ourselves and say, man, you gotta work better at this. You gotta get closer to this standard. This is one that I think, by God's grace, I think we are a very generous and amazing church. It's one of the reasons I love our New Heart family. I've seen generosity in our church family like I've never seen before. As people have discovered needs in other members' lives and said, hey, we wanna just, we wanna help pay that bill for so-and-so. Don't tell them it was from us. But we, we heard that they've got a need. We want to help fill that need. We want to be generous, but it's not even about us. Don't even tell them it was for me. I've heard people during Christmas season say, hey, I want to bless families. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want that family to be able to buy some extra gifts for their children or for their family. Here's some money that I want you to give to them anonymously. Again, where they say, <clears throat> it's not about me. It's a kingdom thing. It's just about blessing and loving somebody else like myself. <clears throat> and Probably the, the most constant and steadfast example I have is the many servants of the Lord on our dream team that are serving right across the way as we meet and as we gather right now in our food pantry. And some of them are seen on Sunday mornings as they distribute food to the many, many families uh, that come, and many of which are not seen as they serve going from grocery store to grocery store, picking up uh, fresh produce and meats and breads and all sorts of food to distribute and boxing up that food in this season where we're just doing grab and go. And they're, they're spending hours upon hours of their time serving people who they might not ever even see just because of their love for them. This is what it looks like to live radically generous. Then this sort of radical generosity and care for others in need is really a hallmark, it's a, it's a cornerstone foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because we love, because he loved us first. And so I love being a part of a church family that, that exemplifies this, and we've got room to grow, all of us do. Even as we walk with the Lord, there's areas where we say, Lord, help us to do better, help us to walk closer with you, and that's where we lean into God and we allow God to give us even more love and grow us even deeper in our faith as we take those next steps of faith. But I want you to imagine if we looked at our brothers and sisters in Christ, and I know for some of y'all, you're like, I can't wait to look at my brothers and sisters in Christ, right? I can't wait to get to a gathering again. But what would happen, imagine what would happen if we saw the family of God as just that, as a family. We didn't see the members of our church simply as, 
as other people that went to the same club as us or were part of the same organization as us. But what would happen if we saw each other as family? See, there's something different that takes place when I think, you know, if that next door neighbor's lawn, if that was my mama's lawn, how would I take care of it? If that was my grandma's lawn and she couldn't take care of it herself, what would I do to serve her? There's something amazing that gets unlocked when we start seeing ourselves as the family of God. It changes the way we pray for one another, changes the way we care for one another. It changes everything about the way we see one another. See, here's what I believe. There is nothing that God's people can't do if we'll work together and put him first. There's nothing we can't do. There's nothing that we can't do if we will put him first and have one heart and one soul. And I'm asking you to partner with us in praying for our nation as we are in a place of rebuilding. And hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see some things of normal come back into focus, although it seems like they may be a little further along than what we're hoping for. But regardless of what the timeline looks like, my prayer is that for you as a, as a member of God's church, some of y'all are like, I've never even been in a church. I'm watching you, I've never been in a church. Well, that's okay. As a member of God's church, that you would be part of this process of rebuilding. See, I believe that this is a season where though we're physically distanced from others, this is a season when we, we can choose to lean in to the things of God, that we can draw close to the God who is the manifestation of love and be transformed by it. So I'm asking you in this season to lean heavily on God, to ask him both for favor and opportunity to be a light in your city, to be a light in your families, to be a light in your neighborhood as you uh, interact with your neighbors. Hopefully you're not afraid to smile at your neighbors. I know you can't see a smile behind a mask, uh, but, but smile at your neighbors and, and be a light in the city where God has sent you. And I wanna ask you in this season, would you put him first in your time? Would you put him first in your thoughts? Would you begin your day saying, Lord, would you show me what you have for me? And yes, would you begin to ask God, God, what would you have me do with my talents? And yes, even with my treasure, God, what would you have me do with those things? Because as we see, the people of God were able to impact their world so greatly because though they gave of their resources, it wasn't about their resources. Though they gave of their, their talents, they prayed over people and brought healing to broken people. It wasn't about those things. It was people that were available to God to meet their neighbors and meet the people that were around them and to love them in the way that God had loved them. See, there's nothing that God's people can't do if we'll put him first and work together. I wanna pray with you right where you are. I'm gonna give you an opportunity uh, to respond to the Lord this morning and just we wanna invite the Lord to do what he wants to do. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you that wherever we're at this morning, God, that you are with us that though we're not in the house of God, we're not in church building this morning, God, we are the church. And God, you are the omnipresent God. There's no place that we can go where you are not. And so this morning, God, we thank you that there's nothing that can stop your purposes for our lives. And for some within the sound of my voice, perhaps today is the day where you decide that the Lord is calling you to respond to his free gift of grace. 
Maybe you're just tuning in. You've never heard about this Jesus. just want to tell you God loves you. He wants you to come home to him, to be restored in your relationship with him. But this world-changing impact I believe God wants to do in our lives begins as we devote ourselves to him. So Father, we invite you to become the focus of our hearts. God, where our lives have begotten so focused on the news, on the events of our culture, on things that are happening at work or this place or that place, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to radically reorient our lives towards your purpose. Just as the, the followers of Jesus in this day, they prayed, Lord, make us bold. Give us a voice. Lord, I pray for your church now that you'd make us bold, that you'd give us a voice. Lord, I pray that you'd draw us closer to you. Lord, may we be infected by your love today. Maybe we already know about your love. Maybe we've already responded to you, Jesus, but our love has grown cold as we've distanced ourselves from you. Today, may it be a day of next steps of faith as we draw closer to you. God, we know that you're not far away from any one of us. All we have to do is simply say, Lord, I want to draw close to you. So Lord, today we say that, Lord, we want to draw closer to you. God, I pray that, that you would make our lives collectively and, and individually make us a refuge for people who are hurting and in need. God, do that in my life. May the, the door of my house be a place of sanctuary. May even the front lawn, as people can't come into my house right now, may the front lawn of my house be a place of refuge. God, I pray that you'd make your church salt and light, salt to bring flavor to that which is bland, make us bold, but Lord, that you'd also make us light in the darkness. Today, God, we choose to put you first. We thank you for your word. Perhaps you're here within the sound of my voice and you've never responded to the free gift of God's grace. You've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you today, I wanna ask, I'm gonna pray with you in just a moment. You don't have to do anything weird or strange. You can just talk to God right where you are and you can pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for loving me enough to send your son to die in my place, to be the propitiation for my sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want to follow you. And I put my trust in you for my salvation. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to thank you for joining us. I know we had a few technical speed bumps along the way. But thank you for sticking through the service today. I want to encourage you, if God did something in your life today, uh, we'd love to know what, what he did. We'd love to pray with you. If you said yes to the Lord Jesus today, we'd love to know that as well. You can fill out a connect card on our website, newheart.us slash connect. We'd love to know you joined us today. And if you've never gone through our Next Steps growth track, today is all about discovering the purpose of God for your life and understanding how God wants to use the gifts he's given you and the experiences he's given you to make a difference in this world. And so if you've not been through that, I wanna encourage you to sign up on our website. Let us know you'd like to go through that. We're gonna do it at one o'clock today. So if that's you today, let us know. God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll see you right here next Sunday. Have a great day.